everyone. Um, so I started thinking about heteropatriarchal romantic desires mainly because I just can't date someone smaller than me. Like, I can't do it. I'm just not attracted to shorter men. And I feel really bad about that. Like, I feel like I'm being a bad feminist. I feel like that's mean. There's nothing wrong with shorter men, obviously. But I just can't do it. And but I think that's a pretty common hang up, right? Like, I'm not the only one. The whole man taller than woman norm is still pretty widespread. And if you look at matching patterns on dating apps, straight women overwhelmingly still prefer taller men sometimes not even tall men have to be over six foot and then further than that straight women still overwhelmingly prefer men who are richer than themselves more educated who make the first move who pay for dates who take charge during sex that's the data that we're still getting today and uh, you might just say okay who cares if a lot of women are attracted to tall smart confident guys he sounds like a catch go for it um, and that is what quite a bit of Philosophy on romantic and sexual desires has concluded that an uh, attractive person is sometimes just attractive and there's not really much morally worrying about that compared to other cases. But I kind of want to question that a bit and start thinking of these desires in terms of heteropatriarchy. So breakdown hetero is in heteronormativity, so the system of yeah, heterosexuality being privileged over other systems of sexuality and patriarchy, a uh, hierarchical gender system where the manly man is at the top and women and everyone else is below that, the spirit of all of them. Um, yeah, and heteropatriarchy carries a bunch of assumptions with it. So things like the person's gender, personality, characteristics is based on their biological sex, that um, men are, are opposite to women and that they make up a complementary pair and that men are you know, socially, economically, politically superior to women and everyone else and they should be that way um yeah and these assumptions have built up this image of the real man the manly man who's at the top of this heteropatriarchal pyramid so the manly man is physically dominant over women so he's taller he's stronger more aggressive than a shorter slender woman he's socially dominant over women so he protects this weak and feeble woman he is the breadwinner for the household he's financially dominant um, the man is opposed to all things feminine, so he can't show emotion. Apart from anger, he's allowed to be aggressive, but otherwise can't show emotion. He can't be gay because liking men is what women do. That's too feminine. Um, and he's romantically dominant, so he makes the first move. He pursues the woman and he's highly sexually active. He's sexually dominant over a passive and chaste woman. Now, being attracted to a tall, rich, protective, confident man doesn't mean you're evil and doesn't mean that you support all of this heteropatriarchy. And I'm definitely not saying that men don't have heteropatriarchal desires either. I just focus on women because I, I, like, I find women interesting. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, but hopefully you can see how a lot of this would translate if you flipped it. Um, but yeah, if this man is who we're told a real man is, it's not surprising that women who are attracted to men end up being attracted to a lot of the characteristics of this picture of masculinity. And so it's not surprising that this man is the man that is the most desired on the dating apps. Um, yeah, I'd say that this state of affairs can be pretty harmful. So men who don't fit this picture of male desirability are less able to find romantic and sexual partners. And that can have a range of negative consequences on your mental and your physical health, on self-esteem, your sense of gender identity, um, even your financial situation, social standing, future prospects. 
And heteropatriarchal underdesire also interacts in significant ways with racist underdesire, ableist, transphobic underdesire. And these are all cases which philosophers do agree are morally problematic. So, for example, East Asian men are pretty often underdesired on account of their race, but they're also stereotyped as soft spoken, passive, submissive. And so they're less perceived as being able to fit into this image of what a real man is. So, yeah, often underdesired on account of their race, but also on account of the way in which their race interacts with this ideal of masculinity and heteropatriarchal romantic desires. So marginalized men will face the harms of obstruction from romantic and sexual relationships to a greater extent. Um, and then men who do fit this picture of male desirability maybe could also be harmed to some extent through the pressures and negative mental health effects of feeling like you have to maintain this macho emotionless image. And women themselves, so the desirers themselves, I think can also be harmed in similar ways. So under heteropatriarchy, where women are directly opposed to men, the image of the desirable man also entails an image of a desirable feminine partner. So women who don't fit the image of this man's small, slim, submissive, all of that partner will also be harmed from lack of romantic and sexual desirability and relationships in similar ways to underdesired men. Again, disproportionately along racial lines and along lines of other aspects of identity. And women who maybe are desired as, you know, desirable, correctly women, um, will also be harmed by the pressure to maintain that standard, which is often based on unrealistic beauty standards and the like. Um, and since women's value is constantly tied to their attractiveness and their romantic lives as a whole, losing out on desirability, on loving and sexual relationships, and not meeting beauty standards could often come with a greater stigma than it would for men as well. So yeah, these desires harm individuals, but I also think they harm people on a wider scale by supporting the system of heteropatriarchy. Um, yeah, I'm not saying that one person's preference for tall men holds up the heteropatriarchy all by itself, but philosophy on racist, ableist, transphobic desires has shown that our romantic and sexual desires when performed on a wide scale can have maybe unintended wider social effects. So that there are widespread desires for partners who fit into this image of masculinity solidifies this picture of masculinity as the correct masculinity on a wider social and political scale. But not only this picture of masculinity, but the gender relations that are entailed in this picture of masculinity become correct. That men are superior to women, should only be attracted to women, becomes the desirable state of affairs. So I kind of think it doesn't matter that I'm not, that I, I'm not homophobic and I'm not sexist because when enough people are positioning themselves along certain patterns in our romantic and sexual lives, the wider world starts to take after that too. So when our desires as a collective taken together amalgamate into hierarchies of the proper man over all the other men, the proper woman over all the other women and that proper man over everyone else, then we get oppression. Um, in that romantic and sexual desires can contribute to upholding heteropatriarchy. They're going to contribute to harming groups who are harmed by the systems of heteronormativity and patriarchy. So they're going to harm women as a group in general, not just straight women, non-heterosexual people in general, gender non-conforming people, non-monogamous people. So what do we do about it? Um, how are we meant to do anything about that? I can't change who I'm attracted to. I can't just decide tomorrow to be attracted to someone I'm not. And the idea that you can do that and that you should do that has got a very problematic history. Just think of things like gay conversion therapy. 
So the statement that we can't control who we love has held a lot of weight in LGBT movements. And then also, we don't want to be vilifying women for being in romantic and sexual relationships that fulfill them. If it's consensual and a woman, and it's what a woman wants with her own love life and her own sex life, should we just draw the line and say that feminism, the government, shouldn't intervene? And even if it is a case of social justice, I mean, it's not much of a feminism if you're overruling the people that you're meant to be advocating for and saying, no, we know best, you're oppressing yourself, stop it, you're a bad woman. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that thinking's got a pretty bad history in feminist movements as well, so we'll avoid that. Um, and then also saying that we're wronging people and that we're wronging men by not desiring them can get pretty icky. So kind of start going down a sort of men are each entitled to X amount of desire, sex, love from women, and we're wronging them by not distributing our bodies and our hearts equally amongst them. And that kind of thinking is characteristic of the insult movement and has led to a lot of violence, so again want to avoid that one. Um, but it doesn't take away from the fact that our romantic and sexual desires can be part of the oppressive structures that harm people. And yeah, I, I don't have time to try and give you any answers to any of these problems. Um, <laughs> but I'll settle for hopefully an awareness of how romantic and sexual desires, even the ones that might seem innocent, can be harmful. So yeah, thank you.